I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. And this is Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. We are a new show breaking down the anime news, views, and shows you care about each and every week. I can't think of a better studio to bring something like this to life. Yeah, I agree. We're covering all the classics. If I don't know a lot about Godzilla, which I do, but I'm trying to pretend (laughs) that I don't right now. Hold it in. And our current faves. Luffy must have his due. (laughs) Tune in every week for the latest anime updates and possibly a few debates. Oof. I remember, what was that? (laughs) Say what you're going to say and I'll circle back. You can listen to Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect every Friday wherever you get your podcasts. And watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. This is an RNZ podcast. This week, Apollo 11 harks back to a long-forgotten time of bravery and modesty. It's a job that we collectively said that was possible and we could do, and, and of course that the nation itself is backing us, so we just sincerely hope that we measure up to that. Danger Close is a long-delayed war story from Vietnam, but do we still do those? All units prepare for enemy artillery have driven the enemy back. Fire! And now we're going after him. At Long Tan. And the kitchen is 70s gangster, given some modern girl power. We worked hard for this. You want to go back to how it was? I'd rather die than go back. You go to war, there's no coming back. Hello, I'm Simon Morris. There's nothing like a significant birthday to focus the mind. A mere year after the centenary of the First World War, nicknamed the War to End All Wars, once again demonstrating mankind's uncanny ability to predict the future, attention turned to the events of 50 years ago. 1969 proved significant on a surprising number of fronts. The war in Vietnam raged on while the political landscape back home altered in ways that took decades to become clear. While the youthful protests got all the headlines, the powers that be rallied behind President Nixon. The Beatles broke up just as the Woodstock nation was getting started and Charlie Manson put the boot into whatever was left of that dream. I'm Sharon Tate. I'm in the movie. You're in this? That's me. I play Miss Carlson, the klutz. Charlie's gonna dig you. But the major event of the year was the culmination of the increasingly exciting space race between Russia and America. In 1969, it was the equivalent of the final episode of Downton Abbey or Game of Thrones, but less disappointing. The whole world seemed to stop what it was doing in July and watched with its hand to its mouth. Tranquility Base here. The Eagle has landed. 
Roger, twin tranquility. We copy you on the ground. You got a bunch of guys about to turn blue. We're breathing again. Thanks a lot. And this year, America seems willing to relive that moment over and over again, the latest being a spectacular documentary called Apollo 11. Why the fascination? Is it shared by people who weren't there at the time? Is this that famous moment when America was last officially great? I'd like to know what you feel uh, as far as the responsibilities of representing mankind on this trip. That's uh, relatively difficult to, to answer, it was certainly a lot more polite. I've never heard the phrase, you gentlemen, used so often and less ironically. Meanwhile, across the Pacific, the American war in Vietnam had dragged the Anzacs in by the late 1960s. It appears the enemy knows exactly what he's doing. One company will move out beyond the wire, patrol east where the enemy mortars came from. Delta is the best company in the battalion. If there is something out there, we will find it. The Australian film Danger Close sets out to show a famously heroic action between a little over 100 Australian and New Zealand troops and 2,500 enemy troops. Or, if you want to be brutally accurate, people who lived there. I think we've spotted a possible problem identifying heroes and villains 50 years later. They're up against an entire battalion out there. That's seven or 800 men. Nineteen sixty nine was also the year a book was released that changed everything in Hollywood a year or two later. Mario Puzo's The Godfather. The subsequent film led to the launch of new Hollywood directors Francis Ford Coppola, Brian De Palma, and Martin Scorsese. I told you we can't go around working for a bunch of women. You are not smarter than me. I will wipe you off the face of the earth. A new film, The Kitchen, set roughly 50 years ago, asks what would a gangster movie of the time have been like if it had been made by a woman? So, the mean streets of New York, Vietnam, and first, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Apollo 11. The crystal clear film footage of the documentary Apollo 11 looks like it was filmed last week, not 50 years ago. And comparing it with coverage of the event that happened in the United States a mere three weeks later, the Woodstock Rock Festival, it's as if they were happening on different planets. Of course, in one way, they were. Airmen from the planet Earth, first set foot upon the moon, July 1969, E.T. We came in peace for all mankind. Uh, that, that statement really, to me, was a very symbolic one of not just our mission, but all of the Apollo effort. The opening shot of Apollo 11 is a stunner, showing the arrival of the huge launching pad for the lunar rocket, brought in on the back of an even bigger transporter. Across the way from what was then known as Cape Kennedy are hundreds of eager sightseers, often bringing the kids along to witness history in the making. It's a job that we collectively said that was possible and we could do, and, and of course the, the nation itself is backing us, so we just sincerely hope that we measure up to that. 
It looks like a Republican convention. Very tidy, very white, rather male-led, lots of crew cuts. Echoing the dress standards on Apollo 11 itself, I suppose. The three astronauts, Mike Collins, Buzz Aldrin, and leading the group, Neil Armstrong. Apollo 11 has very simply been given the mission of carrying men to the moon, landing them there, and bringing them safely back. The amount of footage available to the makers of the documentary, led by director Todd Douglas Miller, is astonishing. If it happened, someone seemed to be shooting it. But almost as impressive is the intelligence and taste used in the compilation of Apollo 11. The whole Apollo program was designed to get two Americans to the lunar surface and back again to Earth safely. The enormity of this event is something that only history will be able to judge. For instance, the first decision was the correct one, to simply cover the event from when the three astronauts suit up and head to the rocket to the moment when the mission concludes in Hawaii four days later. Importantly, the events are covered as they happen. There's almost no background information, just as there's no after-the-event commentary by the participants, either the Apollo 11 astronauts or Mission Control in Houston. It was Apollo 11 as experienced by first America and then the whole world. The only reason there was any difference between the two was the technology of the time. Houston Eagle, how do you read? Bye-bye, Eagle. We're standing by for your burn report. Over. Columbia, Houston, we've lost all data with uh, Eagle. Please have it three o'clock on a high gain, over. Eagle, Houston, uh, we recommend uh, y'all 10 rights will help us on the uh, high gain signal strength, over. Back home, the coverage was pretty much live, pretty much the entire duration. This may explain a certain formality between the three men of the crew and the hundreds of people supporting them from Houston, and I suppose the millions supporting them everywhere else. But maybe not. Everyone that week knew they were on their best behaviour. They weren't just representing themselves or even America, though occasionally the American astronauts made up of men from a military background could be forgiven for forgetting that. No, they were representing us all, not just in July 1969, but mankind for all time. So no pressure, Neil Armstrong. No wonder he fudged his line on the day. It's worth noting what's missing as well as what's present if you want to be wise 50 years after the event. Fellow space racer Russia is mentioned just once in Apollo 11. You'll see very few female faces and even fewer people of colour. They've got the flag up now and you can see the stars and stripes from Olympia. Beautiful, just beautiful. I counted just one black gentleman, and it was hard not to be reminded of Gil Scott Heron's sarcastic poem, Whitey's on the Moon, comparing how much was spent on this mission and how much went on the poor and hungry closer to home. Go for landing. Go for landing, over. Go for landing. 
But that was very much for the day after. If you want to know why everyone on earth walked a little taller and felt a little braver and better on July the 20th, 1969, look at Apollo 11. They don't make giant leaps like this anymore and we're all the poorer for it. For centuries, the term history has been synonymous with accounts of battles. Who won? Who behaved badly? Whose flag fluttered over the battleground at the end? But after the Second World War, things became rather less clear-cut, which is why it's been a while since a battle has warranted a boy's own paper treatment like Danger Close. There's a thousand ways to die in a war zone. You have to trust a man beside you. And he has to trust you. The Vietnam War of the 60s and 70s is particularly subject to the notorious fog of war. It was hugely unpopular at the time. Young people in particular in New Zealand and Australia considered it to be a mistake. And not just a mistake, but someone else's mistake. Now, when the dust has settled, the United Vietnam has become one of our favourite holiday destinations, to everyone's surprise. It's a brave man or a foolish one who take on that history today, even a famous encounter like the Battle of Long Tan, where we're told a handful of Aussies and Kiwis were ambushed by a Viet Cong company, many times their number. This is 4-2! Heavy contact! Sounds big. We have been flanked on all sides. Unsurprisingly, the events of Long Tan are strongly disputed, and this is not the place to check those facts, but it's certainly the place to point out the problems of any film dealing with modern warfare. For a start, battle movies work best when the action is clear and easily grasped. All units, prepare for enemy attack. Artillery have driven the enemy back. Fire! Now we're going after him at long tail. A small group holed up and surrounded, say, or a beach landing confronted by hostile forces firing at you. But when it becomes a rather more ambiguous setup involving two groups chasing each other around the jungle, as happens in Danger Close, the events are a bit harder to grasp. Where are we is a common question. Just a typical shoot and scoot. We're not going to find anything. With any luck, Lieutenant. And also, who are we? The trouble in most war films is that our heroes, in a storytelling sense, are all roughly the same age, the same gender, with the same accents. One 20-year-old Australian male sounds and looks like pretty much any other one. Bob, can you hear me, mate? I just want to get out of here, get married, and forget all this. Filmmakers often fudge this problem by giving the characters easily identifiable markers. The compulsive gambler, say, the, the one who's getting married, the one with a quirky hobby, the one with the eye patch. Generally, audiences are grateful, though they do learn not to get too fond of a character who keeps talking about what he'll do when he gets home. How can we trust you now? 
Platoon is dead. We're not going to make it, are we? No reinforcements available. You are again ordered to return to base. We all come back when no one does. In Danger Close, the undoubted lead character is a rough-and-ready major called Harry Smith, played by Viking star Travis Fimmel, who's unimpressed by the juvenile conscripts he finds himself in charge of. Delta is the best company in the battalion. Major Smith is tough as they say. I should be in command of other professionals. I see you brought your tortoise, Murray. He's my mate. Yet I find myself here breastfeeding a bunch of kids. There actually is a young bloke getting married. I got him confused with a quirky private with a pet turtle until I realised they were, in fact, the same person. Back in the officer's tent, there's a slightly overweight colonel and the brigadier, played by the one person noticed doing any actual acting in Danger Close, Richard Roxburgh. He wants me to target his position. If you don't drop in the next 30 seconds, we'll all be dead! We can't allow this. Major's the commanding officer in the field. He'll make the call. Call it in. The story of Long Tan is clearly a well-known one among Vietnam veterans who were well represented at the screening I went to. They had the advantage over me of being familiar with the details of events between the initial ambush and the handing out of medals some time later. How accurate this was, I'm not qualified to say, of course, but I didn't hear anyone complain. Get his ammo on the choppers now! You reckon we're going to get shot down? Honestly? Yep. As for me, I was mildly engaged by the fictional version of Delta Company, but the dramatic highlight for me was watching pop stars Little Patty and Cole Joy and the Joy Boys getting up by the skin of their teeth when the balloon went up. But at least I knew who they were. Stay strong. Protect your mates. Your Delta Company. When the 60s turned into the 70s, films changed in several ways. Mostly, they changed in the crime movie genre. Suddenly, the sympathy shifted from the cops to the more colourful gangsters. Times change. You do what you gotta do. From kids. Most employers don't want mothers. It's a competitive market. You don't know me. The stories told by Francis Ford Coppola and Martin Scorsese were operatic tribal tales of urban turf wars between Italians and Irish, Puerto Ricans and Afro-Americans. Well, 50 years later, the question is asked, what if these films had been made by women? For money, you survive. Now might be the time. For what? For you. This is the idea behind a film called The Kitchen, set in New York's notorious Hell's Kitchen in the 70s and based on a violent comic book. The Kitchen centres on three wives of petty Irish gangsters, recently arrested and jailed for two years. Our husbands have 24 months left on their sentences. Sorry, baby. This is the Irish mob, organised crime. We're going to take care of you. You girls are going to be just fine. We got no money. Can't even make the rent with what they gave me last night. They didn't want me in the family in the first place. 
There's homemaker Kathy, played by Melissa McCarthy, and tough cookie Ruby, who married out of the black community to Kevin, the leader of the Irish gang. And there's mousy Claire, Elizabeth Moss is in everything these days, who's the classic battered wife. But all three are getting no help from their extended family. You're pretty, Mama. Pretty doesn't matter, it's just a tool women use. What? Anything we want. What do you want? Their criminal in-laws claim there's not enough money to support them. Their usual clients aren't paying their dues, meaning the protection money they owe. In 70s gangster films, protection money is paid to people with guns to protect you from people with guns. 40 years we pay protection and we don't get nothing for it. They have been telling us forever that we are never going to do anything but have babies. A bunch of men that have forgotten what family means. So we remind them. The three wives decide the one way to build up some heat is to get out of the figurative kitchen. They tell the disgruntled shop owners they can offer more service and better protection than the increasingly lazy gangsters. They pick up any extra muscle they need by paying better, and suddenly the ladies find themselves queens of the Hell's Kitchen streets. We are going to have crews everywhere. I can see you got brains, and I know you got money. But we got one thing that you don't. We got criminals. It's interesting watching a film like The Kitchen get its swagger together. First, it picks up actors you wouldn't expect to see in a gangster movie. Comedians Melissa McCarthy and Tiffany Haddish as Kathy and Ruby are tough and convincing, particularly Tiffany. We worked hard for this. You want to go back to how it was? I'd rather die than go back. Put a bullet in his head. You girls kill me. It sets up a ticking clock as word gets out that their husbands are expected out sooner rather than later. And complicating matters are the shifting loyalties of the cops and the mafia led by the suave Coretti. Alfonso Coretti. You girls have been very busy. I'm a new Ruby. Mrs. Brennan, I won't bite. Claire, you're the one I have to watch out for, aren't you? Like all gangster tales, The Kitchen is taut and amoral. It's best if you don't think too hard about how many bystanders are being taken out along the way. This is a common complaint about the films of male gangster groupies like Scorsese and Quentin Tarantino. Step off my business. Baby, it's my business now. They're going to swallow this entire city. You go to war, there's no coming back. Alfonso Coretti wants to talk. If we go to Brooklyn, we're dead. For anyone who thought this genre could be easily dismissed as boys and their toys, I'm afraid it's not as binary as all that. Women are just as likely to start shooting, particularly when decades of gender politics are thrown into the mix. I don't want you to do it. I want you to teach me how to do it. Just to be clear, now we run this neighbourhood. The Kitchen is an entertaining concoction with a few new ingredients and an old recipe. But as always, it comes down to who's wearing the chef's hat. What do you wear to something like that? You get dressed up? Are you kidding? What? My God, I lost count again. <laughs> 
This is writer Andrea Berloff's first outing as a director, and while she's not Francis Ford Coppola yet, well, neither was he when he was making The Godfather 50 years ago. And on that recommendation to wait for a few more dishes from Andrea, it's time to go. I'm Simon Morris, and I hope you'll join me at the movies same time next week. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. And this is Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. We are a new show breaking down the anime news, views, and shows you care about each and every week. I can't think of a better studio to bring something like this to life. Yeah, I agree. We're covering all the classics. If I don't know a lot about Godzilla, which I do, but I'm trying to pretend (laughs) that I don't right now. Hold it in. And our current faves. Luffy must have his due. (laughs) Tune in every week for the latest anime updates and possibly a few debates. I remember, what was that? (laughs) Say what you're going to say and I'll circle back. You can listen to Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect every Friday wherever you get your podcasts. And watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or the Crunchyroll YouTube channel.